Joy fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps, and I'm joined now with Tyson Fury here in Las Vegas. You have a beautiful home. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying the sunshine today. I was out sunbathing. Mm -hmm. Got my Hawaiian Tropic on. Smell it? Smell the coconut tropical <laughs> flavouring. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying myself and been out training this morning and come back, had a nice bit of food and just mm -hmm. relaxed with the guys, had the music playing. We're all around here, our underpants when you came. <laughs> I know. Um, I was like, censor, yeah. censor. It was all good. It's, it's, camp's been very good. Yeah. Been a very dedicated camp. Um, no you complaints. You seem in great spirits. Yeah. Like why, you, why wouldn't I be? No, I mean, sometimes it can be a bit tense in camp. Yeah, this has not been like that at all, you know. Everyone's been doing exactly what they were supposed to do. Um, the training camp itself has been perfect. We've had no hiccups, no injuries, and everything's gone good so far so good and mm -hmm. I would you call this like the most serious camp you've ever had um, I probably would in a long time because mainly for the fact of the things I've cut out like I never don't have diet cokes I always yeah. have tons of diet cokes in the fridge and stuff and um, I've not done any of that I've not had any protein bars and not been not usually go out once a week for meals and whatever but this time we haven't we haven't done any of that we've just stuck here with a food plan not going out, not doing anything really, just to the gym and back, and that's it. Gym twice a day, back, eat, sleep, repeat. What would you say is different about this camp versus the one that you had the first time around with uh, Wilder, aside from the diet cokes? <laughs> uh, obviously, we trained in Big Bear last time for the camp, and it was like a guinea pig um, experiment. We didn't know what was going to happen up there, and whatever. Um, we've had more, it's been a lot easier this time. The, uh, everything's run really smooth. Mm -hmm more experience as well. And you have your family around you too. Yeah, that's correct. Mm -hmm. I have my brothers here and um, friends. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a very good combination of everything put together. Mm -hmm. We're all out here and these training camps unite people because when would 10, 11 guys get the chance to go to Vegas for two months mm -hmm. without getting an earache from the missus or whatever? <laughs> but because it's me fighting and it's okay, you know what I mean? The boys are around the pool chilling, eating a few drinks, whatever they do. They don't got to worry about you going anywhere, that's why. Exactly. You're locked in the house, in the yeah. gym. <laughs> exactly, so it's, uh, it's been really good. Mm -hmm. We've done <coughs> so many interviews over the years, like yeah. hours and hours long. So when it came down to wanting to do this sit down, I was thinking, well, what could I possibly talk to him about that we probably haven't already talked about? We've talked about everything. We literally have. Yeah. Over the years, for sure. So much. Obviously, things change along the years, so new things come about, but yeah. I wanted to, to kind of compile a bunch of random questions that I feel like I have not asked you before. Well, well I'm glad someone is using their head and thinking, because, <laughs> you know what? what? These interviews, yeah. Repetitive? Very repetitive, and everybody asks the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And it, I, I've been asking, like, when someone going to ask me something different? But I suppose you'll probably have a few different questions, but the same questions year in, year out. How's the camp going? How do you feel? How's preparation been? What's different this time than last time? How do you feel this, this fight compared to last fight? Mm -hmm. Yada, 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 X, Y, Z, you know the story. Do you know it's so, very yeah. challenging though? Because I was just saying, like, oh my God, he's been interviewed by everybody the last few weeks. Like, what in the hell could I possibly do different that would make it still worthy watching? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because you know our interviews get quite extended. so. Um, I'm gonna do my best. Let's go. And if you feel I have fallen short 
I'll tell you. <laughs> or maybe just drop a nugget in there for me. Like some, something that maybe somebody hasn't talked to you about. Maybe you could do me a, a favor. Yeah. Do me a solid and then drop it in. But, um, obviously we have to talk about the rematch and Deontay Wilder. Yeah. Now I apologize now if these questions have already been answered, but I'm going to ask them anyways. Um, <laughs> I'm curious to know, because you, you mentioned that you wanted to go for the second round knockout. Yeah. You've been seeing signs. You've been feeling like that's the round that it is. But Deontay says that you don't hit hard. He says that you have pillows for fists. So what do you have to say to that? I don't really have anything to say about it. But the bad thing for Deontay is when I knock him out and I've got pillows for fists, it's going to make his chin like feathers, isn't it? So, yeah, it's, um, it doesn't really make any say and what I think. When he's on the floor it'll look worse for him than it will for me. That's for sure. His assumption is with the changes that you've made in camp was due to nervousness. He kind of senses that you were nervous with what happened the first time around and that's why you're looking to change something or even based on your last performance. Um, thoughts? I mean you see you don't seem nervous. Yeah I'm very nervous. I'm shaking <laughs> at the boots and you know every night I go to bed thinking about it and it's like one day closer makes me really anxious and everything like that. Mm. So yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Scared, frightened, nervous, and uh, anxious. So yeah, just thinking about his slender body. Gives <laughs> you, me the sh shakes. <laughs> you, uh, born and bred into boxing, basically. It's, it's, it's in yeah. your DNA. Um, I know people want to ask often about your legacy in terms of, of boxing and stuff, but I want to know what it is that you hope to leave behind for your children, the legacy of the Fury last name. You know, the legacy of the names and all that is really unimportant to me. Um, that was surpassed about 10 years ago, all that sort of stuff. Um, and you know, every man has to paddle his own canoe and live, live their own lives. Mm -hmm. They can't live off somebody else's name because when they try and do that, they always come up short and it's not, it's not fair on kids and things to, to try and have them try and live up to somebody else that they could never be. I was going to say, like with your own children, it's not like you you really are hoping that one of them walk in and follow in, in your footsteps. I'm not really too bothered. Whatever someone wants to do. Well, listen, I've got a load of nephews and mm -hmm. and, um, and if any of them's going to be boxers, then good luck to them. But it's a, it's a hard old tough life, mm -hmm. that's for sure. And out of, out of a million boxers who try, maybe one will make it. So yeah, that's the odds stacked. In hindsight, when you do look back on the start of your career and for people who are just starting, like, is there a small part of you that would, knowing what you had to go through, like I know you're, you're, you are where you are now, but like knowing what you had to go through, would you still take the same route? Would you have still done it all over again? Because oftentimes yep. people don't. They say, no, I wouldn't. I'd do it all again. 10 times because what I've achieved probably will never be achieved again ever from someone from our country mm -hmm. um, it's an amazing thing to say that I've won every belt after I win this last belt that I've won every belt there is to win in boxing and every award so yeah I've, I've I completed it's like complete completing a computer game it's been totally completed now and you know it's been a worthwhile journey but what else would I have been doing going to work nine to five, living a normal life and that's it, thinking what if, what if I would have stuck in the gym. Oftentimes when people hit a certain pinnacle of their career, 
they feel like they've done it all, they've seen it all, and, and then they ask themselves, now what? Now been what? there, been there. Is that, is that hard to, to deal with every day? Because how do you keep your passion alive when you feel like you've already achieved everything, you've sort of hit the ceiling? Yeah, well, when I beat Klitschko, I achieved all my dreams. Everything I ever wanted to do from being a kid had come true. And I didn't, it wasn't about winning belts and all that sort of stuff at that time. I just wanted to beat Klitschko and that was it. I didn't want to do anything else. And when I did that, that was it. My me, me game was over. And it took me two and a half, three years to realise that there's more to, more to the career than just having one meaningful fight. And everything that happened back then, I've took it all as an experience and put it into motion today to make sure that doesn't go on again uh, regarding like setting an achievement, achieving it and then going downhill. Mm-hmm. But I grind today like a man who's got no money, no achievements and no titles, who's hungry coming from the streets. Mm-hmm. But that's because in my mind and heart I still feel that way. I don't feel like oh, someone who's achieved everything in the game. I don't feel like I'm, I'm living in a million pound mansion here or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just feel like a normal person who has got nothing and is trying to keep going and keep achieving and mm-hmm. achieving glory. Mm-hmm. And that's it, that's how I, I, my mindset is. Don't get me wrong, I don't need to be killing myself in a training camp. I don't need to box. But I still have a bit to offer. Mm-hmm. And I want to get it out of my system before I walk away. Because when I walk away again, I don't want to return again. People who often become superstars, and I think it's safe to say you've, you've achieved that now, you've become a global superstar within your, I mean, even, even outside of boxing, you're now, people recognize you, know your name. Um, do you find that when the day does come for you, when you decide to hang up the gloves, do you feel that there might be a struggle there with, you know, sometimes people get so used to the attention and, and, and yeah, the constant no. schedule structure for them. Do you feel like you'll have, it'll be challenging for you? No, to not for me. I'm never, not, not really interested in being a popular or the famous side of any of it. Doesn't really, doesn't really float my boat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the routine side of stuff, that that will have to continue forever. Can't never let the routine go, like training routine and stuff, because I'll end up back mentally unwell again, mm-hmm. and that's the last place I want to be. You you say that by the end of your career, I'm sorry, the end of your contract with ESPN, you're looking to like say I'm done. But then when I spoke to you in Manchester, you're like I'm gonna do this shit until I'm 40, <laughs> as long as you can, right? Yeah, so but like, the, the thing is though, after I win these next three fights, I've got no more to do, no more to prove, and nothing to do it for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that'll be the end. I will walk away after the next three months. End of boxing, though. Obviously, there are other avenues you can take. No interest in any of the other avenues. I'm opening a boxing gym, local club for the for kids mm-hmm. when I get back. Uh, giving somebody else an opportunity to do what I've done. Um, you never know that one person could change their life forever. Mm-hmm. So I want to do that, and then that's it really. I just want to live a day-to-day routine life, punking around Morecambe Bay, going to the gym and back, and that's it. You've proven to, to be have left alone and be out of trouble is a good thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you've proven that you've had that crossover um, ability. You've been successful at it. We've seen other people go from crossover. Uh, Terry Crews from NFL into acting, hosting. Uh, uh, John Cena, uh, The Rock. Would you ever consider your hand at acting? No. Oh, come on. Why? I have no interest, honestly. All- you would be so good. All, all of these things that people might want to be interested in, I really have no interest. When I, when I get out of this spotlight and the cameras, there will be no so more. So Sylvester Stallone comes to you and goes, I got your role for you. You're, you're going to say no. I'm not, I'm not interested in being a movie star. 
I'm not interested in being any more famous or any more well-known than I already am. I already can't walk down the street and go for a cup of tea in, in uh, peace. Mm. You know, it becomes a time when you don't want all that. There's times in my life on a regular basis where I don't want to be Tyson Fury. I want to be left alone. I want to be able to walk to the shop with my kids and get some sweets, get a sandwich and go to the park bench and eat it while the kids play in the park. I just want a normal life. I don't want all them extravagant things and that big lifestyle. I just want to be left alone and be normal. Your kids are relatively young. Do they Have they actually been able to sort of understand why people keep coming up to dad? Like yeah, because why they're staring boxer. while they're... Do they understand it though? They get it. Because you know kids, don't, they don't, don't always get it. it. Not, I've never really asked them. But I know they know that dad's famous boxer. Mm -hmm. People want to get pictures with him and that. Does it make them uncomfortable? Yes, it does. Time and time again. But you wish people would not approach you with your kids at times? like just. Listen, I don't do photographs when I'm with the family. Mm -hmm. When I'm out and about press conferences and boxing events and stuff, more the merrier. Mm -hmm. While I'm with my family, it's an go area because that's not Tyson Fury time, that's my time. Mm -hmm. That ain't some boxer's time or some famous man off the telly, that's my personal family time. Yeah. So there's no photographs or autographs or anything like that when I'm out with my kids and that. Mm -hmm. Because I don't go over to random people and start asking them for pictures while they're with their family. So yeah, it's... Uh, I expect the same back, so yeah. How does it feel for you to be able to take your kids around the world for them to see perhaps things that you weren't able to see at their age? What does that mean for you as a family man to be able to give them those experiences? You know, I'm not really too sure. I've never really thought about it. But the fact of the matter is, whether they're going around the world or they don't, everyone get, grows up anyway. You know, and I believe that childhood is a big factor and if you've got a good childhood you'll go on to have a decent life um, so yeah I try my best do the best I can I've been away most of my kids lives like since I've been born I've, I've not, not been there most of the time I've been in training camps in Holland Belgium Italy France Ireland America Canada I literally have been everywhere Switzerland I've, I've been all over training for months and months and years and years at a time so I missed a lot of their uh, growing up child does and all that but you know bills have got to be paid haven't they they're not going to pay themselves and that's it I have a job to do mm -hmm. um, when we look back on the likes of uh, we got Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, uh, Lennox Lewis, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman um, basically all the greats of the of the heavyweights in boxing um, where do you feel Tyson Fury fits into that? Again it's something I'm not interested in because when I'm finished with boxing, I won't look at it again. And I won't be interested where people put me or where they don't. It's none of my concern, to be mm -hmm. fair. You know what? I want to get these three fights out of the way. I'll never look at boxing ever again. I'm done really? with it. Yeah. And I won't have any interest in it or play any part in it ever again. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how I feel about it. It's the job now. I'm coming to the end of my career. And it's uh, it's been a long, hard career. And I'm happy to be coming to the end. Mm -hmm. Life after boxing will begin. That's for mm -hmm. sure. How important is it for you? Or the, what, what lengths do you go through to maintain your, um, I guess, your mental health, the stability? Uh, like, what, what do you do to make sure you ensure that you have it? Because I understand you said you worked out a lot. Yeah. Uh, what else do you do? That's it. If I told you my life, I can tell you it's seven days a week right now. So Monday, I get up in the morning, take the kids to school, go straight to the gym. Um, come out of the gym, take the car, get it valeted. Come out of there, go for lunch. Come back, go home, sort out a few jobs, pay a few bills, 
then it'd be time to pick the kids up from school again. Pick the kids up from school, go home, have some tea, ready for the boys coming around for a run. Go for a run, come back, have a shower, get me nightgown and go to bed. That's Monday. Tuesday, gym, school, lunch, same again. That's all I do, I don't do anything. The only time I do something different is when I, I've got a show or something like that, or I'm boxing in a training camp. But while I'm home, I don't even leave the, I don't even leave the town anymore. I used to go back and forth, but now I know it puts me out of my routine. I don't get twice a day in, in my training, and it, it puts me out of um, what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I don't even like leaving the town. So I, I live in a small little Lancashire town of Morecambe, and it's um, quite sufficient, to be honest. Mm -hmm. That's all I do. I take the bins to, to tip Tuesday and Thursdays, Tuesday and Friday. I shave me ball dead on a Monday and on a Thursday and that's it I look forward to Saturdays Saturdays I'll do a long run in the morning and then I'll, I'll, I'll do something with the kids or whatever I can or if not then nothing then Sunday comes every Sunday I'm absolutely suicidal every single Sunday whether I'm in camp or I'm at home it's just like the world's ended and I just want to not live anymore that's Sunday and then I go to bed on a Sunday night thinking yep yeah, Monday's tomorrow I can start my stuff again back to the gym Back to the coffee shop, back to the the lunch. Back Why to do you the feel skids. that way? That's that's all. That's the way I live. And it's routine that's keeping me alive and keeping me going. Mm -hmm. If I give up the gym, I'll be dead within a year. That's for sure. It's funny because when we were on tour, I got to see that side of you, like that structure and how how important it was for you to maintain that. Um, you was there. You saw me, didn't you? I saw it. The funny thing about it is, um, I know we briefly talked about this in Manchester, but I would want to say around that time, if not a, a month or so after that, I started to sort of fall into a funk. I don't want to call it depression because I don't know if I can say it was that. But I remember you always saying, like, if I don't go to the gym, I don't feel good. And I remember there was a quote that Jim Carrey had, had I'm not sure if you've seen it, but there's a quote that Jim Carrey said. He said, depression's real, but if you're not consuming positive material, if you're not listening to positive music, if you're not getting enough sunlight, if you're not getting enough sleep, and you're not eating right, you're not going to the gym, then you're not giving yourself a fighting chance. And I remember reading off those things and I remember thinking only, I only did two of those. And that's when I started to realize there was a decline even like with, within myself. And yeah. I'm a pretty positive person. Most people look at me and they'll never assume anything's wrong, but it was getting really heavy. And I remember being in Cancun and I, I had a breakdown, an absolute fucking mental breakdown because people were talking about my weight, saying you've gained weight, this, this and that. And no one understands like how that affects, especially as a woman, we already battled these things, right? Like anyone does. But as a woman, we are highly critical of absolutely everything. Like, oh my God, is my makeup okay? I'm just, and I'm, I'm very vain in that area. So when somebody mentioned that to me, I believed it because I, I believed that I was letting myself go too. Not weight-wise, but just in general, I wasn't taking care of myself. And I wanna thank you for that because the, the reality is, I really pulled from what you were saying to me at, at times. And I remember thinking, that's what, and I remember saying, the reason why, remember when you said, you didn't want to talk to anybody about it because you didn't want to bother them. I yeah. finally understood what you meant by that. Because I was thinking, well, why wouldn't you just, your brother's side your dad is like why wouldn't you do that but i finally understood like 
I get it. Because the only person that can make you happy is yourself. The only person that can change it is yourself. yourself. So that's why I was like, there's no one I could that can make me feel better. There's not a compliment in the world that can make me feel beautiful if I don't fix myself. And so I thank you for that because that genuine, I swear to God, that really pulled me through. And it was a heavy time all the way up until about January. Now? It's ongoing. It's it's a battle. It's are not you, like. Are you still working out? Yes, we are. Did we not go to the gym? Do you notice I have a busted lip? Yeah. Because <laughs> I went to the gym and I did something stupid and I took that ball that you throw down, right? I didn't think it would bounce back because it was heavy. <laughs> hey, you're straight in the mouth. <laughs> she was with me. And I go, oh my God, there's like blood gushing from my mouth. I go, oh my God, I think I busted my lip. And the first thing I did was go to make sure my teeth weren't gone. And I'm, I'm actually quite fortunate. At least it's the lip because it looks yeah. like I just had lip fillers, right? It's yeah. like a puffy little lip. But it could have been worse. It could have been missing teeth and broken nose. Could have been. But <laughs> keep going to the gym because yeah. you know, positive stuff. But no, I want to tell you this because I think it's what you're doing is, is so great. Because I had a guy friend that I was just speaking to on the phone the other day. And he said that he was watching an interview with you. And he goes, you know what? I was really, I was really feeling what he was saying. And it, it motivated me to get back in the gym. And my anxiety has actually decreased. So you don't, you don't always see it or realize it, but I think it's important that you know that you are impacting people and helping. Well, that's, that's the plan, that's the hope. You know, if I can put a positive message out and it may help someone just get the running shoes on and go for a little jog or mm -hmm. feel a bit better about themselves, then But I've you're right, it's job. consistency, because once you just sort of... I think, like you just said, then, a few things you said, sunlight makes mm -hmm. me positive, like this mm -hmm. weather, I feel good in it. Um, working out, mm -hmm. eating healthy. Mm -hmm. Consuming drinking, positive drinking material. plenty of water, okay. um, being around people who are positive as well. Yeah. If I'm around someone who's negative, I will I will drop to that level. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I can't really be around uh, negativity a lot. Mm -hmm. I like to be around positivity and sunshine gives me positive and uh, eating right and training and, and all that sort of stuff. It makes me happy inside. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what you've got on the outside, if you're not happy within your own skin and your own body, then you're never going to be happy. That's, I that's really understood that because I people were like, oh, you have the best job in the world. You get to travel all the time, interview all the top boxers. What do you have to complain about? And you know, I felt guilty for actually saying something's not right, but I'm still grateful for what I have, but something's not feeling right. And it's like, I, under, I understand what you mean by that. Yeah. Tough. And it's a continuing battle. Mm -hmm. We all have to walk down on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Well, you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Routine. Oh, 100%. Routine. <laughs> All right. Are you superstitious? No. Do you have anything that you have done continuously right before you fight, the day of the fight? Is there like a, a specific meal or thing you do that has sort of kept you on this winning streak? I don't think anything's kept me on the winning streak. But I always pray before fights. Mm -hmm. We always say a prayer. So maybe that's a ritual, maybe. Um, yeah, I've always won, so yeah, maybe it has kept me winning. <laughs> uh, okay. Now, I know what you're going to say, but I really want you to to consider both, okay? Yep. Give me both scenarios. Okay. If I win, I will. If I lose, I will. Finish the sentence. If I win, I'll be happy. 
because I'll have achieved every belt there is to achieve and it'll be a lifelong uh, ambition completed. Um, and if I lose, I'll be happy because I'll know I wasn't good enough to beat Deontay Wilder and I couldn't train any harder, I couldn't dedicate myself any more then I'll have lost to a better man and I'll shake his hand and mm -hmm. say fair play. There's this sort of love-hate relationship, I want to say, that's, that's been ongoing with you, um, with the press. And what I mean by hate was, at one point, um, post the Klitschko win, it was like everything you said or did was ridiculed. You weren't given, uh, really, any credit at all for beating Klitschko. And it seemed at one point the press was completely against you. Not yeah. all, but many. They always wrote something that was negative. It was never the positive, positive. stuff. Now on the flip side of it, and you see that everybody wants a piece of you now, right? Everyone's yeah. fighting to get an interview. They want that. They want that exclusive with you. Is it bittersweet for you? Do you do you like? Are you like using them as much as they're using you now? Because you know it's it doesn't last forever, and there will probably be something else at some point where you know press is very fickle. You know what? I don't pay too much attention to it anymore. I used to read what people said and. I used to read all the Twitter posts and all the Instagram replies and I'd be stuck in that world of reading, like Googling my own name, seeing what the papers are printed today, what negativity is there. Mm -hmm. But you know, I've sort of like forgot about all that sort of stuff now. I don't I don't do all that anymore. I don't care what someone prints or I don't care what someone says about me. You know, I use social media now as a as a positive platform mm -hmm. to share with the fans what I'm doing, my process and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the people can't leave messages on my account anymore mm -hmm. uh, because I can't reply to them or I can't get through them all, there's thousands of them. Mm -hmm. So it'd be unfair for, to let people leave messages without trying to reply to them or whatever. So. You mean like on Instagram? On Instagram, mm -hmm. yeah. So nothing like that and I, that's it, I only use it for positive stuff and with the press, they can print what they want. It's going to be good and bad stuff uh, as long as you're in the public eye. Mm -hmm. Um, they say no, no press is bad press, um, especially if you're a performer or an athlete or uh, something like that, an entertainer, because it keeps the name in the public eye. But you know, like I say, when I finish with boxing, I hope that the the press will respect my uh, privacy and just leave me be, leave me be a normal person. But I highly think it's going to be quite possible. But hopefully, if I can finish my career in the next year or two, and just just have a positive life and. Mm -hmm. Not everybody wanting shit and not a million people trying to do stuff to me and, and all that sort of stuff. I'll be happy with that, mm -hmm. you know. Um, there's always going to be something. There'll always be some problem, but that's life. Mm -hmm. But it's about getting over it, isn't it? And, and keep moving forward and, and uh, staying positive and thinking about the positive stuff because there's a lot of positivity to be thankful for out there. Mm -hmm. And one of them's even been even, even here, breathing fresh air and talking. So mm -hmm. that's a positive thing. Did you ever consider like um, like rolling up on one of your trolls, scaring one of your trolls? Do you know what? I'm getting them in I've the I've never ring. even seen a negative message for years because I don't uh, I don't scroll through it all. That. You know that button where it, there's like on Twitter you've got the whatever it is the reply button mm -hmm. where people can send you shit. Completely avoid it. I don't even go there because that. it's it's unimportant what somebody thinks of me or mm -hmm. whatever because. I'm not in that world anymore. I don't live that life. Mm -hmm. My platforms and things are only about my career. 
like none of, none of that Instagram or Twitter is personal. Mm -hmm. like I don't follow anybody on it, only sponsors and things like that, mm -hmm. management teams and promoters. Yeah. And yeah, so I own that. that's all it is for me. It's just a platform of showing my progress and keeping fans updated, people mm -hmm. who's interested. Mm -hmm. And for the trolls and that, the haters out there, well, you know, they can uh, go and support somebody else. Now, this uh, seven times a day thing, Tice. Yeah. <laughs> you're crazy. Please tell me you're not doing it while you're dipping your hands in fucking petrol. No, I, I, only, I only dip my hands in petrol uh, two days a week. Uh, Mondays and Fridays, yesterday. Um, but the actual, the, the masturbation seven times a day thing, that's a true fact. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, I was told off a good source that it would be good for me and I put it into practice and I've never felt better to be honest. I, thought you were that, I thought, seriously thought you were joking. No, no, I'm not joking, no. And I'm, I'm, I'm seriously not joking about releasing my um, own masturbation lotion. Mm -hmm. You should. Easy Stroke by Gypsy <laughs> King. Honestly. Easy Stroke. Easy Stroke. Oh my God. That's Easy genius. Stroke. And we've even designed the bottle and everything. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. Oh my god, that is hilarious. I'm going to find like a a cream and I'm going to infuse it with like um, sort of like some type of Viagra. Uh, yeah, a stimulant. Uh, a stimulant, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and that's how it's going to be. I'm really <laughs> going to, really going to put, put thought into it because it could be a very helpful factor for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I even met Matthew Marnay the other day as well at the uh, yeah, I saw that. fight. And he came over and he loved the uh, the video. Oh, he saw it. That's awesome. He saw it and he came straight over and he went, oh, that was an awesome video. I'm not going to lie. When I saw I was, I was in stitches. I was like, oh my God, this is genius. Who created that? I don't know. Top rank, I think. Someone at top Someone rank. Someone genius created that. Top yeah. rank. You guys? <laughs> yeah, Mel, awesome. she created Yeah, Mel, did Mel. you? Mel, is that you? <laughs> All right. Okay. What else? <laughs> Got some more for you. These are random, yeah. but um, I kind of already know the answer to this one, but people watching okay. uh, may not. When we see you on camera, uh, is it really you, Tyson Fury, or is it the showman? On camera, mm -hmm. this is totally 100% authentic me. Mm -hmm. You know, all the stupid things I used to do in the past, on the day and stuff like that, that that's, show, that's show, show business. Like coming out in the masks and whatever else, and the Apollo Creed stuff. That's all, all to play an entertainment factor. Mm -hmm. When I'm doing interviews and that, I'm just being myself. Mm -hmm. Like, my book was released and it was called Tyson Fury Behind the Mask. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in years, people are, are seeing the true me. This is this is me. I'm not I'm not being a fraud. I'm not being a fake. I'm not doing anything. I'm just being myself. Did you feel at one point you had to sort of do that? Uh, yeah. Why? I felt I had to do it. It was almost my duty to come in and act a clown and act up and. I'd be silly and do, do outrageous things because it was what was expected of me. And I didn't like letting people down. It was expecting me to play up. So I played I played that character really well. Mm -hmm. Who is Tyson away from cameras? The same man he is here, sat on it. Um, no different. Day to day basis. Do the same stuff, like I said, a routine, routine down to earth type of bloke. Bob Arum uh, has recently compared your charisma to of something close to Muhammad Ali. Um, would you say that 
that you see that as well? Do you see the comparison? No, I just I mean, like Bob knows or knew yeah. Muhammad Ali personally, so that's that's quite big of him to say. It's not like someone making the comparison, but someone who knew him personally said, "You remind me a lot of him." Yeah, well, you know, we're both confident um, characters um, who both believed in their own ability to the utmost. Yeah, I, I can see where Bob's coming from. I'm not the shyest man in the world, and I'm, I'm definitely not. Uh, I'm up for a laugh, and that's it, really. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is what it is. If Bob thinks that, that's Bob's opinion. I don't try and be like anybody. I'm just trying to be like myself. Uh, the quote: "If it's not broke, don't fix it." Yeah, I've heard um, that many times this week. Okay, we're gonna skip that one. Then. Go on, let's hear it. <laughs> no, I asked you to call me out, and I'm gonna. I don't want the repeat. I don't want to repeat. Go on. Did AJ ever get back to you? No. Never replied. He made that video live on Sky. And I replied within three minutes with my bunny ears having a massage, me and Matt over there. Mm -hmm. um, and I never heard anything from him. Never heard anything from him already. So, yeah, calling you out, both of you. Went back on your word and that was it. Never heard from you. So, good luck. Cheers. Eddie's made mention that, you know, um, should you be successful, obviously he wants you to win so that you guys can have the big fight. It would be in Saudi Arabia. Would you... Would you Agree with that? Would you be okay with it being away from home? Cause, I mean, that's a massive domestic fight if it should happen. Um, if I, if that fight happens, um, whether it's next or in two fights, it's got to mm -hmm. happen. I've got three fights left and he's got mm -hmm. to be one of them. Mm -hmm. So the fight will happen. Um, whatever happens in these next fights, me and him have to fight sooner or later. Um, whatever it is, it is. I'd, I'd like it to be here in Las Vegas. Um, reason being is, it's a massive fight and it needs the biggest stage in the world. And no disrespect to Wembley Stadium or London, but the mecca of boxing is here in Las Vegas. It's where all the big fights have happened for hundreds of years. Um, and it also gives people a chance to get away for the weekend. Get away from the nagging wife, get away from the nagging husband or whatever they're going to do. Go together. It gives people uh, some, a reason to come to Las Vegas where they might not do before. And I found that a lot with me boxing in the last two or three times. Like, people who would never, ever, ever have come to Las Vegas. I said, you know what? Let's go to Las Vegas. One, because Tyson's boxing there, and another, we can have an holiday and have a look around while we're there. So it's a great, great uh, excuse to go. Well, you, so, went yeah. to, you went to Saudi Arabia with the WWE, so yeah. um, if, if it came down to that, are you you're open to it going to Saudi? I'm open to anything, really. Because Eddie's claiming that there's significant money in that, but I know to you, I know you always say it, it's not about the money, it's about you just want to, you know, just want you know, to make Whenever these fights so. happen, I've got Wilder, and I'm sure me and Wilder are going to have another rematch. Um, yeah, so yeah, we'll have another rematch, and then wherever the last fight is, it is. Mm -hmm. no, no stress where it's in England, Saudi Arabia, Las Vegas, Antarctica, China. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter where it is, but um, it'll be a good fight either way. Uh, I interviewed Eddie about what week ago or so, and uh, he said that he's mentioned it to AJ that the fight would have to be a 50-50 split in order for it to really ensure that it happens. Um, that would that I remember you saying that would be it would have to be 50-50, right, in order for you to take the Do fight. You know what though? I'm not really interested in all the business side of bullshit. Okay. When there's, when, when there's so much at stake, 
like percentages are not the reason why these fights don't happen. That's a fact. The fact that these fights don't happen is because one of the both fighters don't want to fight each other. So when you've got two men willing to fight, then it doesn't matter about what percentage it is, it will get worked out. But when you've got one man who wants to fight and one man who don't, then there's always that, oh, I want this percentage and you're getting that. That's why these fights don't happen. But as you see with me and Wilder, we brought the two biggest TV stations in the world together to do a joint venture, which has never ever been done before. So yeah, anything can happen if both parties are willing to, to sit down and, and make the fight happen. Mm -hmm. But yeah, all this, all this percentage talk, and that's really unimportant. Because mm -hmm. uh, if a couple of percent here or there is going to make a big difference in your life, then you're definitely in the wrong, wrong job, that's for sure. Um, if you've already answered this question, just shut it off. But uh, Anthony Joshua criticized your fighting style when you beat Klitschko. He uh, said that you're running in the fight, but he sort of used the same tactic against um, Andy Ruiz. What do you have to say to to all of that, knowing now that he sort of emulated what worked for you? Listen, everyone's got to do what they got to do to win on the night, and that's mm -hmm. what it was. But listen, if, if it was if it was shit when I was doing it, double shit when he was doing it, because it was a lot worse a job. Um, listen, he just ran away all night. wasn't great. wasn't a good fight. It was a lot of shit, really. He, was run, he ran away terrified all night, and every time he stood still for two seconds, he got rocked to his boots. So, yeah, I don't think any of the fighters out there in the world are too bothered about AJ anymore. His bubble's well and truly been burst, and uh, no one's bothered about him anymore, that's for sure. Just like they won't be after I beat Wilder and burst his bubble as well. Um, in that fight against Andy, would you say that Andy was as bad as people said he was or AJ was just that much better? Um, one coming well overweight, um, I think it was 20, 21 stone or 20 stone 6, whatever it was. He was very heavy um, and it was mainly down to the lifestyle he was living and all that. Which listen, you, if a man comes from nothing, he couldn't afford nappies a month, few months before, then he's got millions of dollars. It's, it's very difficult isn't it to, to dedicate yourself but listen, it was his own loss. He had the, um, the opportunity there to seize the division with both hands, uh, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. He messed it all up, and now he's looking for redemption again. Mm -hmm. So yeah, good luck to him in his career, but just so he knows, he, uh, he, he blew it. Okay. Now, <laughs> I'm going to do a little game right now with you, yeah? Where you... you really are bringing out all the stuff. <laughs> I'm trying, Tice. I'm trying, I don't want a repeat of everybody else's shit. So, Come on just a little game, yeah? Yep. Um, I'm gonna mention to you some of the heavyweights, current heavyweights, yeah. I want you to... Give you the first thing that comes into me. Not necessarily, I'm gonna, some of them yes, but some of them I have a very specific question for, okay? Okay, fire away. What is Dylan White's weakness? Dylan White's weakness. Um, Eddie Earn. Mm. His ability to keep steering him in the wrong direction. Okay. Anthony Joshua. What's his weakness? No, just Anthony Joshua. 
What would you say after that, after someone mentions his name? I wouldn't say anything, I would just say, look, a man who's uh, done well in his life and career changed his stars. Come from the council estate in London, fogging around to being a multi-millionaire, living in Dubai and travelling the world, so I'd say that man's a success, mm -hmm. that's for sure. Deontay Wilder can... Deontay Wilder can go suck my balls. Okay. How's that? Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Usyk is capable of blank at heavyweight. Usyk's capable of doing anything at heavyweight. Um, good fighter, very technical boxer, and a southpaw to boot. Mm -hmm. Don't come much better than that. The only thing that might lay him down is his size, because he's only about six foot two, six foot three, in a days when heavyweights are all massive. So yeah, but he has got good boxing ability, and yeah, sometimes size don't really matter unless you can use it properly. My advice to Andy Ruiz is: go on a diet, you fat fuck. Okay. No, not really. No, my advice to Andrew Ruiz is get yourself dedicated to your job. If you're going to do it, do it proper. And if you're not, go live your life with your money and that's it. Mm -hmm. He's done well. Listen, like I said, this man, he couldn't afford to buy his kids nappies. A year ago. A year ago. Mm -hmm. And now he's got 20, 30 million dollars in his account. The man's made it. He's a superstar. What's he need to mess around with boxing for? Mm -hmm. But if he's going to do it, do it right. And if you're not going to do it, live your life. Invest your money wisely, because it'll go down like that, bang. Mm -hmm. There's people out there who specialise in squeezing lemons. And if you ain't got your sense around you to hold on to it, it'll be gone. So that's my advice. Invest your money, look, watch your pennies, that's for sure. Because you'll end up broke. Mm -hmm. Just like everybody else. Just like anyone's capable of going broke, you're right. Yeah. I won't be far behind him either. Serious question, Tice. Okay. A lot of times people don't know how to answer this, and it's a fact. Go on. I was asked this question. I didn't even know how to answer it. I'll answer it. Who is Tyson Fury? Tyson Fury is me. Who are you? Me, I'm sat here. <laughs> what do you mean, who am I? Exactly, it's a difficult question to answer. Yeah, it's not People difficult, are, it's no, very it easy. No. It's very easy. I'm a husband, a father, a son, a brother, and a cousin, an uncle, and that's it. That's all I am. I'm a, I'm a human being that exists because God made me. That's it. Do you know that's a question often asked during um, job interviews? Just to see if people really know who they are. Yeah, I, I know who I am. When somebody asked me that question, I was like, um... Well, I mean, I'm kind, but it was a challenge. You had to start thinking about things. Who are you? Yeah, that, that's who I am. I'm a person who's a husband, a brother, a father, a cousin, and a son, and a grandson. Mm -hmm. I am the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, Gypsy King Tyson Fury. That's who I am. Okay. Tyson's the name and fighting's the game. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> exactly why, again, kind of why you're like Muhammad Ali with your constant rhyming on things. Oof. What um, else we got? Because you've got loads in there. No, I don't. I really don't. I just, they're really random. Keep going, keep going. Okay, Some hold good on. Questions here. Hold on. All right. You mentioned Usyk, but any other occasion when you mentioned Usyk, you didn't really have fond words to say about the guy. I, do you know what? It's, Why? It's, just, it's all. Y'all got to meet, right? 
Yeah, well, I met, I met him at uh, Philadelphia at one of the boxing uh, shows. He's a small heavyweight, like I said before. Now, the only thing that'll let him down is his size. Uh, and that's it, really. And the fact that he's a Ukrainian and he don't speak great English and nobody really cares if he wins or loses mm. outside of Ukraine, then it's not, it's not really a point that people, that someone like me would be interested in. Mm -hmm. Who are you fighting? Oh, I'm fighting Alexander Rusek. Who? Oh, some Ukrainian. He's a three-time gold medalist. Then I feel like I have to explain who he is, what he's done to try and make him a worthy challenger. And, you know, I'm right into all that. If people don't know who I'm fighting straight away, then obviously fight the wrong person. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. And all these Pulevs of the world and Useks and Tyshenkos and Grandmother's Minch, all them people, yeah, I'm not interested in fighting people like that. I only want to fight people who are very well known, who are very capable opponents. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in, in fighting someone who no one knows or, or is um, an unknown quantity. No, no, there's no there's no joy in that for me. Like the last two opponents I fought, Tom Schwartz and Otto Wallin, like no turn on at all for those guys. They don't mean anything. Obviously wins and I got paid for them when it was a training camp. Is it hard to tra train for somebody who you don't really feel like there's a, a big challenge? It's not hard to train because you go through the motions in the gym. But there's a difference in going through emotions and actually feeling the fight. And unless it's somebody I think's any good, then I can't get flowing at all for them. Doesn't mean anything. Like I just stand there and let him hit me, and it, it wouldn't turn me on a bit at all. Thinking about the fight, but the fight like Wilder and, and Joshua Klitschko, all all them names, I sort of get really interested as a fan, wanting to fight these guys. But like I say, with the with the Europeans and, and people who don't even know, even you get some Americans if they're not well known, it's, it's pretty pointless. It's a pretty pointless mission to fight them. Now, um, does. Anthony Joshua beat them? Does Anthony Joshua beat Pulev and, and, um, Who's and Usyk? I don't know. Because you know I, the, I think, the fight, I think these, the fights both of the two lined it? up for them. Yeah, Pulev first, he's the IBF mandatory, and then the WB mandatory for Usyk. Does he beat them? Well, you'll find out, won't you? <laughs> Just ask him, do you think so? I don't know. It's heavyweight boxing, isn't it? As we've seen, that everyone thought he would knock um, Ruaz out, but he didn't. So yeah, heavyweight boxing is a funny old game. Does he beat them? Probably the favourite to beat them. But if he beats them or not, we'll have to be found out. And that's why it's a pay-per-view. That's why people tune in just to see if, what if. Mm -hmm. But if there's, if that venture ain't there, then people ain't interested in what if. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to fight someone like Pulev or then fight someone like the Gypsy King, one's a, an O2 and one's a Wembley. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. it's a different uh, type of um, fight, mm -hmm. different feeling. A fight that the full public gets involved in, or a fight that people ain't really interested in. Mm -hmm. They just expect you to beat them. Mm -hmm. It's like when McGregor fought Khabib. Everyone thought, oh, McGregor will win because nobody knows Khabib. Mm -hmm. But when he lost, it was like a big shock, like, who? Who beat him? And that's what it is. That's what it is with these guys. Now, if he was fighting someone like Derek Chisora or Dylan White, that'd be a better fight for, for Britain. Because people will be interested because they know who they are. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Okay. Daniel Dubois is a young lad who's fighting Joe Joyce. Good. They're all good, aren't they? They're all unbeaten young young fighters. Okay. He's coming up with a lot to prove. Dubois looks a promising prospect. So does Joe, big Joe. Um, is it too soon for Dubois? We'll find out. 
it's a very tough fight for a British title. Uh, both of them are ranked in the top ten in the world. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, very, very good fight, a fight that I'm looking forward to as a boxing fan. Describe Joe Joyce. Joe Joyce is a juggernaut. Big, big truck, Joe Joyce, big, big guy. Non-stop, coming forward, big engine, tough as a brick. Um, and very good willpower to win and seek and destroy type fire. Do you have a favorite in that fight? Um, to be honest with you, I have got a better relationship with Big Joe than I have Daniel, mm -hmm. so I have to favor Joe Joyce. Mainly because I like Joe as a person and I know him. And I don't know Daniel at all. I sparred him once for a, a round, and that was it. Met him a couple of times, and that's it, really. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I have more relationship with Joe, so I, I, I uh, fancy Joe to win. And lastly, uh, Derek Chisora is best known for slapping Klitschko in the face. I'd say. Okay. Yeah, that was good. That made my day. That did actually. <laughs> When he give big old Vitaly a big slap in the mouth. Get up there, you big dosser, take that. <laughs> they didn't even get him back. Yeah, so it was Do you know what's funny is the last time we sat down, I was so taken aback. You slagged off everybody. Like, you didn't even give me a chance to even bring them up. You were just like, this time around with Deontay, I'm going to be honest, you're quite, you're, you're the, um, What's the word? A wind-up king, right? You know how to get under people's skin. But this time around, it seems like you're not trying to use that tactic with Deontay. I'm not, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I want him to be the best fighter he can possibly be. Although so why not, why not the trash talk this time around? Because it seems like there's none going on between the two of you. Well, there has been. And the first press conference was, wasn't it? Both in each other's face. And Called him a well, bitch we couldn't really, we couldn't really hear what anyone said. It, it was publicised on the on the internet. And that. The second time, there was uh, it was just sensible speaking live on Fox, and it was sort of like don't go off the rails and, and, and act sensible and do do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> if you can be trusted to be on live TV, <laughs> it's your first chance and probably last if you mess it up. So yeah, listen, we've been in there, we, we've knocked lumps out of each other for twelve rounds. There's not much, what do you want me to say about the fella? There's nothing I can say about him. He's a dosser, he's got skinny legs, and what? All these names, it's all sticks and stones. On the night, I hope he brings the best fight he can ever bring of his life. I hope he brings his double A plus, because then I'll know I've beat a worthy challenger. And if it's anything less than that, going to be an easy night. Is it concerning at all that Deontay often says that he's looking to put a body on his record? No, no concern at all. No concern. What do you make of the Pope naming him the ambassador of peace and boxing? Fantastic. Um, I don't know much about it to be honest. I don't even know what the ambassador of peace and boxing means. I didn't know it was a violent uh, type of place to be boxing, but um, whatever. If that's, that's what he's done, then fair play. Good luck mm -hmm. to him. Hope it brings him happiness and joy. Mm. But uh, yeah, recently Wilder was telling me he's um, he don't believe in what I believe in, and he's got an alter ego and he calls upon spirits to help him. So yeah, maybe the Pope did a wrong thing by uh, giving him that. Lastly, you're coming in. You're saying you're trying to come in around 270 pounds. Why? Just just what I want to be natural at. 
I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm not trying to put weight on. I'm just this is what I'm weighing now today, and I feel good. So there's no point in um, getting weight off when I don't need to. Mm. Do you feel like it's just like muscle gain? Is that I've, I've not gained anything. I'm just the same old person, but I'm not trying to pull a ton of weight off before I fight. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about how I look in the ring. It's about winning and performing. That's it. I'm not interested in a six pack or or thinking about people thinking I'm fat or whatever. I am what I am. Like you said, this is who Tyson Fury is. Chubby fella, bald headed, bit of a beard sometimes. That's it. Hopefully a bit better tan than I had last time. Natural down. Um, you, I know I just said lastly, but Go you, um, your approach this time around, if I'm honest yeah. with you, I felt was, why, why would you want to try to go for a knockout when the win should ultimately be the most important thing, right? Like, it doesn't matter how you win, just win. But going for the knockout, oftentimes people have set themselves up, and that's when they get clipped. So why? Because you may as well get clipped swinging away, trying to win, aren't you? Get clipped when you're not expecting it in round 12. The thing with Deontay Wilder, it's an odds game. So the longer you're in the fight with him, the more odds he has in London a knockout blow. Quicker the fight's over, the less odds he's got. So to bring them odds down, the fight's got to end quickly. That's it. Whether it's him or me, I don't care. Listen, I'm I'm game enough to go toe to toe with any motherfucker out there. And if it's Deontay Wilder or King Kong himself, whoever, it doesn't matter. It does not matter to me because I'm a big giant man. I can punch. I can take one back. They're only humans. Still go when they're hit properly. That's it. Whether he knocks me out, or I knock him out. There's going to be a knockout. Fair play. But whether I fucking irk and jerk round the ring and dance to fucking 12 rounds and 2 minutes and 58 seconds and get knocked out in round 12 with 2 seconds left to go, I've still lost. So losing is losing. Whether you lose in the first round or the last round, I don't want to do that. So whether I win by a knockout in round 1, 2, 10 or fucking points, I only want to win. So I'm going to give myself the best opportunity in winning. That best opportunity is by knocking him out of there. So if he can't punch me back, and it means I've won. So that's why I want the knockout. Well, I appreciate you always making time for me. Um, is there anything that you want to talk about that perhaps no one has been clever enough to think of? Question, topic? Do you feel like you've covered all bases at this point? I think so, yeah. There's not much more to say, is there? Um, you've covered everything from opponents to who am I as a person, routine, mental health, boxing, shows, what else? Questions, that's it really. There's much more to cover. Press conferences. Yeah, I think, I think we've done it. Mentality, mindset. What the fuck are we going to talk about next time I interview you? <laughs> We've talked about everything, like honestly, over the years, because our interviews always last forever. They do. But, you know, there'll always be a new topic, won't there? There'll be a new opponent, there'll be another thing, another subject to, to talk about. Mm -hmm. Someone else has been added to the team, how is this affecting you? You know, there's always got to be something that people may have a talking point on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, fucker. Burn, 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 all right, well, thank you so much again. Wish you nothing but the best on February 22nd. You guys don't want to miss it. ESPN pay-per-view, Fox Sports pay-per-view, and BT Sport over in the UK.
Uh, final words? Enjoy the fight. See you all there. Peace out. Hey Fight Fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure you do so by clicking this icon right here or else.